Welcome to Unslick City, our journey at large. The podcast that explores the eccentricities of New York City and the people that inhabit this metropolis. I'm Abby Anderson. And I'm Ian Brodsky. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the show. show. We in, we in, baby? We in. We in there. <laughs> so, Kelly Kinsella, thank you so much for uh, inviting me to your swanky apartment. Oh, swanky? Uh, no one's ever well, said that before. Well, I mean, I live all the way up in the Heights, and, like, I have a great deal on my apartment, but okay. it's definitely not, uh, it's definitely not this. <laughs> it's fine, but it's not this. And Well, this is a good location for sure. Oh, yeah. We're a couple blocks from the High Line. Yeah, true. So if I bore you, you can just walk I'll out just the door, walk, yeah. take a stroll on the highway, uh-huh. and I'll keep babbling by myself. Hey, it'll keep my... recording, and like I'll just, it'll be great. It'll, <laughs> okay. it'll be a nice stream of conscious you, episode. You say that now. <laughs> um, so you're from where originally? Syracuse, New York. Mm. How was that? Oh. What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny you should say that, because I had, uh, a couple years ago, I had a general practitioner in my doctor. Um, very laid back. So I stopped seeing her only because she didn't seem to care about any of my ailments. Not that I'm not that I'm a hypochondriac or anything again, but uh, so she. I told her at one point that I was from Syracuse, and she was like, "Oh," <laughs> and she told me that she had done her residency. She's a doctor, so she did her residency in Syracuse. She was the only thing I really liked about being in Syracuse was the the um, chicken wings, you know, the buffalo hot uh-huh. wings, because of course Buffalo is not too far. Oh yeah. So Syracuse has some pretty good wings. But beyond that, she was she was quite speechless. <laughs> and I was like, in the summer, it's nice, though, right? And she's like, mm. like she had nothing good to say. I'm like, the Adirondacks are gorgeous. She's like, mm, I've never been there. So anyway, so, so, she, so she was real. She was a real treat. <laughs> She's a real treat. But I do have to say, this winter was a tough winter. But my Syracuse background, you know, that must have prepared you. It prepared me, and I had some balls, unlike a lot of other people around here. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of complaining. Yeah, I mean, I grew up right outside of here, and everyone I know is like, it's cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and everyone I know from the upstate region, because we both went to New Paltz. Yes. Um, and one of my best friends is from the Adirondack region. She's oh. like, she's like, I'm going to be getting this till May. Yeah. And sure <laughs> oh, yeah. enough, she has been. That's a big um, joke. It's a big joke up the upstate. One of my shows, I say that. My mom is a character, and she's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's, you know, talking about a snowstorm coming. And she goes, well, you know, it snows up here till May. Yeah. Know? So, and I remember it's pretty common. Although mm-hmm. May has come and gone. I think we, we got we away without much. a storm, I think. In Syracuse, at least. Oh. I, I didn't hear of any. I thought you were going to say, like, we got away without having spring. And I was like, yeah, that too. <laughs> um, and so you went to college at New Paltz. Yes. Uh, you were a theater major too, right? Yes. Performance? Yes. What, what, was, it, what was it like then? Because that, oh was, that, wasn't much, that wasn't much before my time. But Well, you're so kind. I mean, I don't know if you know how old I am, Ian. I don't. I'm not going <laughs> to make you out yourself on my podcast. Okay. Oh, thank God. Because, you know, I've still got some years ahead of me. I need to pretend <laughs> that I'm something that I'm not. I'm kidding. I actually, you know, I did graduate uh, back in the uh, 90s. Let's just say that. Um, but I did I did go there for art, actually, studio art, drawing mm. and painting. And that's what I did all through high school, generally. I didn't really do any performance. I mean, I did dance, and, and I was a musician in high school. Oh. I grew up doing that. But as far as performing, I didn't really get into it until I took an intro to acting class at... New Paltz. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, all, I mean, I was a natural performer because I did a lot of comedy and I was writing at a young age. So I kind of like instinctively went in that direction. And, and my, um, my uh, freshman drawing teacher gave me, I was, was a good student, and he gave me a C for my first course. Mm-hmm. And I was so shocked and dismayed that I just, you know, threw in the towel on my, my, my painting and drawing career and was like, screw that, I'll be an actor, you know. Yeah. Which is much For less... For a more stable career, much yeah. less competitive. <laughs> Clearly. 
know how to grade you in those classes. Well. <laughs> so that's uh, always a good thing. Nice. And then so you graduated, and then did you move to New York right away? Uh, yes. No. Wait. I wait a minute. No. 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 Let me let me think back because what happened was I was also a French major. Oh. And so I studied in, in Switzerland. I studied abroad my uh, junior year. Sounds awesome. It was awesome. And so I made all these friends, and I it's that's my the, the trajectory of my life has always been a little bit split focused. I mean, mm-hmm. the, one of my shows I think that you saw back in New Paltz, the one about the anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, the whole opening scene when is about me. Yeah, when thoughts attack. I don't know how to order you know food in a restaurant, but it's like a continual you know conundrum for me in my adult life. Mm-hmm. And even back then, was like, oh, do I do this or you know do do I do that? Do I focus on this? Do I focus here? So as an actor, unfortunately, because you know being in New York now, I'll cut to these years later. I work on Broadway as a dresser backstage, and so I'm, you know, always meeting actors who have followed a very, you know, clear, strangely enough, path from their childhood, you know, taking dance lessons or singing Mm -hmm. lessons, and they go to college, and then they come to New York and get an agent, and then they start booking their gigs, which is something I never really did. I was so drawn to go back to Europe after my experience of living there. So I went back, and I was a nanny in France for two young uh, accountants. Uh, you know, Ooh. right near the the, chat, the uh, Chateau Fontainebleau was where I lived. Mm-hmm. And then I was, you know, I worked at a coffee shop in Switzerland, and I worked at a, actually at a West End theater in London for six months. Oh, wow. Do, uh, uh, doing dresser work? Uh, no, I was a bartender. Cool. And so I always say, too, that was kind of like a master's degree for me because I was... I. Streamed, you know, I work on Broadway and you don't get free tickets, like, no matter who mm-hmm. it is. Like, the president comes and they're like, make him pay, you know, yeah. $180 for his ticket. But when I worked on the West End, even just as a bartender, one of the perks was you would get free tickets to all the shows uh, in all the, the West shows? End. Uh, in the, yes, all the shows in the West End. For your family, yourself, you'd get free tickets to, like, um, movie theaters. And so I was working as a bartender and living up in Kentish Town, and so I would constantly go to the theater. And I was getting... Uh, discount seats for the National Theater and the Royal, mm-hmm. you know, um, the Royal, Royal Theater. Theater, thank you. The one up, up in Cambridge and uh-huh. Oxford. And so, anyway, I was constantly going to the theater when I could, when I wasn't working in the theater. I'd do matinees, and, um, and that was a great kind of education in and of itself. You know, mm-hmm. I got to see some amazing productions early on. When, and then what brought you here? Back, what brought you back? Oh, so then I came, and funnily enough, so then I came back, moved back to Syracuse of all places to kind of re- re- regroup and recoup. Um, thought about going to grads, applied to grad school. I applied uh, for acting to like Yale and NYU mm-hmm. and Juilliard, and I got rejected in the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't get accepted. You know, I was I set high hopes for myself, and I was very disappointed. Um, but I came to New York, and I lived in Queens, and got a wait a job waitressing in a French restaurant. You know, I was the only woman and the only American in this place, but I was doing comedy. So you know, comedy was always a strength for me, and so I started doing sketch comedy and I was doing it with people Ben Stiller was in this you know theater I was performing and um where was and this? his sister Amy it was like I can't even remember it was all this downtown kind of venues when it was mm-hmm. when that was really kind of happening was yeah kind of, there was that whole class happened. of comedy like that started in those like venues. yeah like I keep on listening to podcasts with like Aisha Tyler and like all those people who came from those venues and yeah 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 it's well, crazy I mean that was the, I, I can't and it was so brief I feel like that moment in time was so brief because you know you're struggling. I'm living like on a friend's couch in Queens. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to, you know, waitressing like, you know, lunch and dinner shifts at this French restaurant because that's how Europeans mm-hmm. run their restaurants. They just like hire three waiters to work every shift, you know, and you have no life. So, but then I had an opportunity to teach English in the Czech Republic. Somebody called me within a week. They're like, can you come in next week to the Czech Republic um, right outside of Prague, 90 minutes from Prague, a town called Tabor. Uh, this meat processing factory is looking for 
a, an English teacher, you know, for all their management. And I was oh. like, I was a vegetarian at the time. <laughs> and I took the job. It was the craziest thing I ever did in my life. They kept trying to give me free meat every week. Bags of, like, beef and veal and chicken. Did you have to break it for that? Oh, <laughs> well, no, I didn't. Oh. I somehow never ate meat that whole time. And I got really sick because I was not getting any vitamins or minerals. And mm. I was really sick while I was there. But I would bring all the meat home to my landlady. But she thought this was the best thing that ever, you know, I was the best thing that ever happened because I lived up in the mountains in this room that she rented out. So I'd show up with like bags of, you know, dead pigs and it was crazy. So that was That's for amazing. a year. <laughs> and that was, yeah, I'm like, what? So you, you know what I'm saying? So I like, my, I, my career would start yeah. kind of taking off somehow and then I would leave to do something, yeah. you know, pointless. <laughs> and, then, and, then you come, and then you come back again. Then I come back again. And then I came back again, and I worked at a restaurant in Syracuse trying to, again, recoup, regroup. Yeah. And then I applied to grad school for international politics in Belgium, go, oh, <laughs> as one does. Go figure. Yeah, yeah, Because of all clearly. the travels. I was like, I don't need to be an actor. This is bullshit. And I got accepted. <laughs> I got accepted. I did a GRE. I took the whole test. And then I was like, well, that's crazy. I mean, do I really want to live in Belgium and work for the UN? I'm like, well, <laughs> no. I'm such a... Clearly, I'm such a... I'm doing so well in my acting yeah. career. Yeah. So I decided to not do that and uh, I got hired at this renaissance fair up in upstate New York called the uh, Sterling Renaissance mm-hmm. Festival it's right outside of Oswego yeah we still have New Paltz alums that go like yeah. every year yeah well that's what uh, Julia Register did yeah yeah uh-huh. Yeah, it was like the best. It's like the most creative. It's, it's great for comedians, people who have really strong kind of comic background because it gives you so much freedom to just wander around and, and you know, be free funny. Yeah. Be, be funny. What did you do there? Um, I played the street urchin and I was given, I, I did have a stage show that was a, a trunk show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I played all these different characters. But as far as my walk around street character, I was essentially like the homeless guy. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I say guy. But, and her name was um, Grizzle. Grizzle. So I, I spoke my, I had a secret language with cows. That was mm. my whole. <laughs> that was your my, game. That was my game. And I'd walk around and, you know, and of course could pull anything off. And, and um, it really was uh, a great education, I think, uh, for create, you know, creativity and imagination yeah. and kind of really exploring those realms of. But then from there, because it's such a renowned Renaissance fair, it's mm-hmm. the best one. I mean, Renaissance fairs have a terrible reputation. Mm. I know. I'm not stupid, you guys. I know this. So don't make fun of me. But it does, this particular fair is run by a guy named Gary Izzo, and he was kind of talent scouted out for his skills doing this fair by Disney World when they opened up MGM Studios, uh-huh. you know, a million years ago. And so those, that, those talent people, when they would do their auditions every year for, you know, hiring people for Disney, they would come to New York City, Chicago, L.A., and then this Renaissance, the Renaissance Fair. fair. <laughs> I'm serious. Just hilarious. Because they knew that they could find these really kind of gifted comedians. Yeah. So I was hired, and that's where I got my equity card. Oh. So I was hired by Disney, and that was in, you know, after, right after I did that Renaissance Fitter server, like in the fall. Uh, working moved, at MGM or? Working, I got, ended up working at Epcot Center. Oh. Yeah. Cool. And I was playing like a mad scientist, you know. All right. Who's a, a, an innovator of weather. It was a new mm-hmm. show that they, were, that they were trying out. It didn't really work out, so I got moved around to different shows within it's great that they kept you on though because it yes. could have just as easily been like well this didn't work Bye-bye. Here, here's exactly. your ticket back to new york exactly well yeah. it was good i did some other you know inter- interactive stuff at mgm i would do special events and mm-hmm. um and i stayed for like a year and a half almost a year and a half and then i left because i just knew that you know i it was also a situation where i don't think we spoke the same language it's a very corporate environment mm-hmm. um and i was still young i was still kind of young and naive and i was you know uh, idealistic 
and it was, you know, it misunderstood. No one understands me. You know, and like, it's like Mickey Mouse, everybody. <laughs> I was like, stop taking yourself so seriously. But by then it was too late. You're just like venting your feelings to Pluto. <laughs> like, I've been going through yeah. a lot lately. Well, actually, speaking of which, this is one that at this time was when I wrote my first one woman show. Which was called? It was called, Excuse Me, I Appear to Have Misplaced My Soul. <laughs> and it was essentially named, it was the title came up, my English friend, who is a writer, he, ran, he works for television at BBC, he's a writer, mm-hmm. comes up with show ideas in London, we're still good friends. He was visiting me from London, uh, he was actually getting his master's in playwriting at the time, I, just right after this, but he came to visit me in, in Florida, and we were driving around, and I was writing the play at the time, and he said, I said, I need a title for the show, because it was all very sketchy, it was very like, mm-hmm. um... Not sketchy as in shady, but sketchy well, as sketch in... Sketch comedy As in like Saturday Night yeah. Live, kind of. And I had all these funny, you know, very two-dimensional characters that weren't really based on anything in reality. Just kind of my own, obviously, uh, uh, ideas and imagination of, you know, stereotypical kind of people you might meet. Um, but he... And, and they were all kind of like down-and-out kind of characters. So he was like, how about... How about... With his English accent, how about... Excuse me, I appear to have misplaced my soul. <laughs> And I guess it was just the delivery with the accent. <laughs> I was like, that's it, it's a keeper. And so there's a comma in there. Excuse me, comma. comma. <laughs> Which rid of that's it, amazing. It's kind of a fun, it was a fun title. Do you still keep up with that show? Or like, because I know you, because you have that one, you have one Thoughts Attack, and then you recently did a new one, right? Well, I have actually, the, the order is I did, I have, uh, how did, uh, so whatever that was, uh, excuse me, I appear to have mis- misplaced my soul. I actually moved to New York, in, mm-hmm. you know, two years after being in Florida, doing that show. I did do a one-woman show that was written for me the year prior at the Fringe, the Orlando Fringe. Oh. And that's how I decided, because it was a big kind of sleeper hit, and everyone loved it, and it was, um... Uh, it was called Women Who Love Too Much and the Men Who Don't Really Care. It was very, very talky, and I, you mm-hmm. know, for about an hour and a half, I was like, blah, 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 blah. and there was another actor in it, but he never said a word. He was just the, he was the serial killer, the role oh. of the serial killer who never says anything. He's trying to kill me the whole time, but I talk to him. <laughs> I, like, he dies because I talk too much. Not really, I can't remember how it ends. But anyway, so the next year people were encouraging me, you should write a show, you're so funny, so I wrote the show, and then I kind of didn't really write one again for like another nine years, but I right. come to New York to do that show. Um, and then I wrote a two-person show and went to Seattle and with my boyfriend at the time, an amazing performer who went to, who also uh, did the Renaissance Fair. Mm. Um, and so we had a similar sense of humor. So we wrote something together, traveled across country, did it in Seattle. It's awesome. Um, which was great. And I, that was because I had an opportunity because of, you know, my show doing well in Orlando. And then things kind of, you know, come back to New York and then I really kind of dug my heels in here to kind of get settled. Mm-hmm. And that's when like... Where are you getting your money, and how are you making your living, and you know, auditioning for things, and um, what are you auditioning for, dealing with that, and the trauma yeah, yeah. <laughs> of that. But the next show was, and then I eventually got a job as a dresser on Broadway. Mm-hmm. So I got into that union, and that's what I'm still doing till this day, where I have you know health benefits and a pension annuity. It's a great gig, uh, but I, it was the fodder and the inspiration for my show called Kelly Kinsella Live Under Broadway. And that was mm-hmm. about, that was all based on real characters and people that I've worked with, you know, the ty- that kind of type of character you meet backstage, you know, a chorus girl or a child actor or a wardrobe supervisor or the stage door guy uh-huh. or whatever, stage hand. Yeah. And that was really fun. That was, got picked up by the uh, International Fringe Festival, New- in Fringe. I did it at Joe's Pub. I did some, you know, some excerpts of it from Joe's Pub. And then I did it at Ars Nova. They were a great support of that piece oh, early cool. on. I workshopped it with them. And then... That's then that kind of kind of you know it was there I was 
thinking about people, you know, taking it to the next level and looking for producers. And that's kind of what happens, you know, as it gets to a point where you have to kind of get it to the next level. And that can be, that can be rough, <laughs> Ian, you know, for, you. A, for a solo performer and, and producer, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because you're doing all the stuff yourself. Like you're the yeah. you're the sole driving force, right? Well, yes. And I was lucky enough to go back to places like New Paltz that have these grant programs. And I went back to Syracuse, where I'm from, and I have a big um, network there of supporters. And you know, was able to have venues donated to me, and I would do a, do a show or an early mm-hmm. incarnation or workshop of the show. And it was a great way to raise money and then come back to New York and you know and invest in these. Um, Festivals like you know the New York International Fringe Festival mm-hmm. or Solo Nova, which is part of the Terra Nova Collective. So I've been lucky to be selected by these festivals because they essentially produce it. But you still have all that you know mm-hmm. sundry you know you're you've still got to invest up front. Like if you're going to have a director that's you know a reputable director or a choreographer mm-hmm. or you know any sort of budget for costumes or yeah. sets or whatever. So I'm always. I've started off being a little bit more complex in those areas, and as I do, as I perform more and more and write these shows, they've really, you know, I've pared them down, um, almost organically, but also it works, you know, budget-wise as well. <laughs> it's a little bit of a better option. And how does like, and how does trying to produce it here in New York, like, sort of, how does that differ from like anywhere else? Because I can imagine, like, I mean, maybe just being from like the New Paltz or yeah. Syracuse areas, like, I feel like it might be easier to like get work produced, like, in other places, but here everybody is, like, clamoring oh, for, God. like, the same underground theater. Yes. Well, yes, and that's true, and that's why, like I said, uh, you know, I've always been somewhat lucky, but also adamant as, like, my, mm-hmm. as time goes on, um, to not, uh, you know, a lot of people might rent out a theater, they might have to raise a lot of money, right, some of their own funds, mm-hmm. and then rent out a proper theater, and then pay all those fees out to mm-hmm. like I said like a, a director or this yeah. and it can be you know upwards of ten twenty thousand dollars to do something like that just up front mm-hmm. um, and I never that I was never interested in that sort of thing like being as I'm like I executive produce for myself and in, in the sense of my hands are you know I'm overseeing kind of every element that's yeah happening or that needs to happen um, but I, I, I always say to, if young people are wanting to produce their own work or, you know, as far as solo performers, like try to avoid spending your own money, you know, because you, that's your money you have to live off and that's like your, so try to get um, support in other areas. And so I've been, like I said, been lucky enough to get grant money and stuff. And those are great options. Yeah. But also in New York, if there's, a, you know, these festivals, like mm-hmm. I said, will essentially provide the venue. They provide yeah. tech support. They provide marketing. Um, so that's been... That's been helpful, and I've been lucky in New York to have those great, um, you know, reputable festivals select my work, you know, over the years. It's awesome. So when I go, it's a Benos. It's awesome because otherwise you're kind of like, oh my god, you know, it's you're struggling. I mean, there's all there's more and more of those kinds of festivals popping up all around. Yeah, like I just noticed. Yeah, there's one in like there was one in Long Island City. I went to a couple months ago to see a couple friends of mine that Mm -hmm. had some shows they were doing out there. you know, it was a cute little theater out there that yeah. it's hard, you have to get out there. Yeah. But uh, but the theater was looking for, you know, some good work to produce and they were willing to provide that space. So that's really expensive, you know, venue rentals and, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I've been in discussion with my director and, and some other solo performers, uh, Pad Lillis, who is my director, who mm-hmm. you met, I think, in New Paltz. I think so, yeah. 
he's a member of the Labyrinth Theater Company, but he also has another company called The Farm. And so we were talking about maybe producing uh, my show along with a couple other solo cool. shows in the fall. Uh, but it's been something that was discussed. You know, we have to really look yeah. into it because now that would be, you know, a fundraising issue. Mm-hmm. You know, getting some money in, and, and it's kind of overwhelming as you keep doing that. You know, there's a point where you're like, okay, I don't know if I can do this anymore, or or I need to get to the next level where I have a producer that's going to back. Just back never me put up. your own money in the show. Just never put your own money in the show. I mean, there's always it's always going to be a little bit. You know, you might have mm-hmm. to get a rent. Like I've had rental spaces always donated to me. Like I have an mm-hmm. I have a relationship with the Actors Fund. Oh. Um, because I work backstage, uh, and I've done a I did a bike ride. For, I think right raising money for them once years ago for Broadway Cares, and all those people are affiliated with each other. Yeah. So I oh. had one of their theaters. They donated their theater in Brooklyn for me to do my show. Oh, cool. They've also given me free rehearsal space in one of their their eighty Very twenty nice. housing buildings. Oh yeah. So everything kind of like I find ways, and because of who I know on Broadway, I've had like choreographers oh, yeah. donate their time and their services oh, to sweet. me. Oh sweet. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of great. I've been and, lucky in that regard. And on top of that, you also you didn't you train like at UCB? Like didn't you uh, take improv classes? Yeah. Sketch. And like I'm just super into that now because I just finished like Improv 201 there, and now I'm like oh, super jazzed about improv and I'm and sketch comedy. Oh no! Like, so you're coming up to level three. Level three is level three is the, is the Herald. Yeah, that's the tough one. Is it? Yeah, that'll throw you for a loop. I can't wait. <laughs> but, I have to, but I have to wait until after the fall now, or until the oh, fall now. Well, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you, you build your confidence with this sh- role you're doing I guess, this summer. Yeah, because they'll they'll tear you down in that level Will they? three. Oh my god! Can't wait. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's did so you heady. go through the whole? Uh, I yeah. did. I did all the. I did level. I did all the character stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, I had a. This is way back when when Amy Poehler just left. Um, she was still working there. She was doing advanced levels when I started. I think mm-hmm. at the very beginning. Who did you um, take with? I took with uh, Kevin Mullaney and. Okay. Um, uh, I took with. It's been so long now. There's a guy named Bob Bobby. None of them are there anymore. Mm. There's Kevin Mullaney, and then there's another guy that hasn't. Delaney, Kevin Delaney, Michael Mullaney, Michael Delaney, Kevin De- Mullaney. John Mullaney. <laughs> <laughs> there, no, I don't think John Mullaney was no. there. Was there. Um, no, I'm kidding. He's, there a, was, he's a comedian. Oh, he's a comedian. Yeah. There was four, like, kind of, and there was a woman. Uh, she was great. I forgot her name now, too. But, yeah, it was so long ago. And then, I mean, I had done improv all through college in Newport. Yeah. Like, in the summer reps. Was, was I, TBA still, was TBA a thing then? That's like the, that? That's like the resident improv, like club on campus yeah um i don't know if that was there when you were there but so the club it's called because they what they had were um teams oh and so teams no, we were we didn't have that oh you didn't have they no, were named we just had they were named tba like that was the name of the club like, oh. and it was like a group of like uh 12 people who okay. like did improv shows and i mean and i would see their shows and i it's of course it's totally different than like ucb because that's like a school but um but yeah, it was just them, and like they would do shows in like the dorm rooms, and like they would have like a night in like Parker or whatever. Oh, and, yeah, you're talking about and, New Pulse. I thought you were talking oh, about UCB. No, and yes. New Pulse, yeah. Yeah, so no, this we did a thing. We just kind of in the summer they had this thing called the um, the Buttercup Lounge, the Buttercup. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Frank Kratt mentioned it maybe to you guys, or maybe maybe yeah. someone brought it up at some point. But when Summer Rep was happening, they had we had an improv uh, every weekend. We would have like oh, wow. a, we would do it was a cabaret. So cool. it was in the Buttercup Lounge, and there was, like, wine and food. You know, people came in after the shows, and this was, like, the late night. And so that's where I started a lot of my my character work, you know, sketch comedy, the, 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 the characters that were singing and doing, you know, musical numbers, very, you know, Saturday Night Live, kind of like Joan, what's her name? Uh, uh, the woman who just, Jane, the woman who just passed away, the actress, famous. Uh, 
she was one of like these old school uh, mm-hmm. SNL people that had this funny character. The Bliss, we had a, me and my this girl Allison Benes had a character's name, the Bliss Sisters, that were like cabaret lounge singers. <laughs> um, but anyway, that there was those musical acts, but then there was also the house improv team, and mm-hmm. I was always a member of the house improv team. It was very though, it was very much short form. Okay. So not like UCB. Yeah, where it's... So, yeah. yeah. So when I went to UCB, I finally went to UCB. Yeah. I was learning about this, you know, this sort of second city kind of mm-hmm. long form. Um, and my skills were cert- were very much set in short form. The character, the mm-hmm. big character choices. And so unfortunately, when I would go into audition, they would... All the teachers loved me, but they couldn't find, like, the right team for, like, what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I got discouraged, and then I stopped. I kind of stopped doing improv at that point. I was asked... I did a, a couple things... With a group, I was invited in with a bunch of men that I'd never really worked with before. I went up to Connecticut for, you know, sort of paid gigs. All right, nice. But, um, yeah, but it's like, you know, it's improv is so so much about your relationship with mm-hmm. your team members. It's it's like you really have to spend, like, a lot of time yeah. and learning each other's oh, totally. strengths and weaknesses and, you know, tricks and, and yeah, it's chemistry. It's chemistry. Yeah. yeah. So that was, I mean, that was one of those things. I mean, you know, I, I kind of... Mi- felt like I missed out on that because in college I had that with, with yeah. the team. Um, and so, but I think that kind of was what kept me on the, the solo performance mm-hmm. trajectory. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. And now, um, of course, you mentioned uh, your dresser on Jersey Boys. Yeah. How did that come about? Uh, well, I when I first, the second time I moved here to New York after this Czech Republic thing, mm. <laughs> after that debacle, no, that was actually fun, but that was a whole other thing. <laughs> um, I had a friend, Larry Rogowski, who went to New Paltz, and um, Danny Paul, I yeah, think he comes in to teach you, but he's up there still. The two of them were, were doing this, and Danny Paul got Larry Rogowski into it, and then mm-hmm. Larry had said to me, was Larry was working at, at Disney with me, so mm-hmm. when he came back here right after his experience... Um, and I came back here after my experience in, uh, oh no, Czech Republic was before Disney. So I came here after Disney and so did Larry at the same time. So Larry had been doing it before he went and got hired at Disney. So he recommended me, but I kind of went, you know, I didn't really get any offers right away. I had to go in and, and, and develop, you know, come up with a resume that had some mm-hmm. great, you know, backstage kind of experience. And because I... I did a lot of scene painting and stuff for oh. the, for shows and for theater companies because of my artistic background. So I had that, and I had a letter of recommendation from some of those theaters. And you know, I've done uh, um, I've done some costume stuff, but very like you know, some sewing and building mm-hmm. in, in college, but nothing major. Yeah. Anyway, you get like a um, you kind of get you pay a hundred dollars, and then you can take this resume and you get a listing of where you know these theaters are and the names of the supervisors running these shows. And then you kind of make your rounds, mm-hmm. and you hopefully literally get a foot in the door by yeah. putting your foot in the door, yeah. <laughs> pretending that you belong there, and telling the stagehand, you know, oh, you know, the stage doorman, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm here to see, you know, Irene Bunis, so, like, mm-hmm. you know who she is. So then they get confused, and then they tell you where to go, and you're like, yeah, I know where her office is. And then you walk down there, and you kind of, you know, punk them. Yeah. <laughs> here, here's my resume. And sometimes they get mad at you, like, who let you in? Yeah, doorman. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's very competitive. Yeah. It's really hard to get those jobs. As bad as being an actor, it's almost as hard as getting acting jobs. Really? It's probably almost harder. And yet, I was more tenacious with getting a dressing job because I thought for sure, you know, my, my insecurities as an actor have always been, well, who's going to hire me? But let me just, like, force myself on these wardrobe people. And so, that, you know, it's kind of like... Go figure. <laughs> go figure. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I should have done the same, you know, had that same technique. 
to my acting career and I wouldn't be, you know, here in my little Chelsea one yeah. studio apartment on a Friday afternoon getting ready to go to work <laughs> at the theater. Jersey Boys. So Jersey Boys, 10 years ago, I got hired. Uh, so, when it first opened or? When it first opened. Oh, cool. I've been there since the beginning. But yeah, so that I ended up getting, I ended up finally getting a, a swing job. Mm-hmm. So I've been wait. I was waitressing at Joe Allen, which is a great place mm-hmm. in Midtown. I was lucky enough to get that job. Terrible. I was a terrible waitress though. I still am, and they were happy to see me go. Yeah. Uh, but I still am actually friends with them, and they give me free drinks and free dessert. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're the second person yeah. I've interviewed this week that was like, "Yeah, I used to like work in food service, and I was terrible at it." So. Uh, oh really? Oh yeah. God, terrible. <laughs> And I, in Syracuse, I was terrible at it, and no one even went to restaurants there. <laughs> I guess I, so mean, I guess there was, <laughs> they just didn't leave the house, and they I guess the they house. don't have Seamless up there either, do they? <laughs> no, they don't, they don't. <laughs> I'm guessing they didn't oh, then either. they didn't then. Who knows, they might have it now. I'll be there in a couple weeks, I'll let you know. <laughs> but yeah, so that was... Yeah, stay a, tuned for that. <laughs> stay tuned. He's not, this guy's not going to want to come back into my house, do you guys? I'm talking too much. I've obviously not I'm been... I'm it. <laughs> No, but so this is the thing. It's like you kind of have to, you know, you have to earn your reputation. So you mm-hmm. get in, maybe you swing for a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you fill in for maybe a dresser who is on vacation or whatever. And then maybe you learn that track and then you learn another track in that show for that show. Well, you know, another female dresser mm-hmm. track. And then, you know, maybe you get some, it's, it's tough. You have to, you know, be go without income for a while and... You got to keep looking elsewhere to other venues and, and other theaters and other super, you know, look at other supervisors to get work. So it takes a while to kind of. Then hopefully you'll like be a swing somewhere, and then maybe a dresser leaves, and then they offer you their job, which maybe, is what happened maybe. to me. Exactly right. I was lucky enough that happened to me at um, Annie Get Your Gun when Bernard Peters was. That was my first Broadway show ever. Actually. Oh, was it? Yeah. That was the first show I'd ever seen. That was before I wanted to be an actor. Really? Uh, yeah. Did you see Bernadette? I did. Oh wow. Yeah. And I Tom was, was Tom Wopat. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Well, we call him Woe backstage. Really? Whoa. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a he's a ladies' man. Oh. <laughs> but it's good. Good, good, good chemistry. Yeah, right? I re- and I then I remember like it all came back to me when I had when I did Annie Get Your Gun in like middle school and I was like that oh oh, oh my god. That, that that brings up memories of at that, that Who point. did you play? Did you play him? Did you um, play no, I was no, I was in seventh grade, so like it was like typical like oh. school politics for like eighth graders. Yes. And like you can translate this to high school, but like the upper class got like the leads, and then yeah. the underclass got like the. Um, in our case, it was the kid roles or understudy. Oh. So I was one of Annie's. Like, they changed one of the sisters to a brother. Oh, okay. So she had like two sisters and two brothers. Yeah. And I was I was one of those kids, and I under understudied Buffalo Bill. Oh my um, god. Yeah, and I love great. that show. I still love that show. Right? It's such a very classic, a classic American. Um, Musical, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and a Brenda Peter listening to her She's every night amazing. wasn't too shabby. Yeah, right? well, uh, whose dresser were you on that? Uh, I was dressed the chorus girls, but I also had a bunch of changes with Bernadette backstage. Ooh. She and this is when she first started doing Broadway Barks, and she tried to get me to. I almost took a uh, a bichon frise dog from her. She's like, oh, there's a bichon frise. You have to meet him. And I was like, okay, Bernadette. I was like, anything, anything for you. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like, my God, I can't get a dog. <laughs> it was so terrible. I, I thought I was going to, I was like, the next day, she's like, did you get him? I was like, I, I'm sorry, Bernadette. I don't think I can get that dog. And I felt like I was really letting her down. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of like embarrassing. Her, her face just lost. <laughs> Oh my god! Right, I was like, oh my god, who says no to taking to, a dog from, yeah, Bernadette, from Peters, Bernadette Peters? Who saves dogs? She clearly, uh, clearly enough, people have though. I think you're in the clear. They have. Now you yeah. can't even like you have to. I always a big joke for me because I actually volunteer every year at the uh, Broadway oh. Barks. 
I deal with the animals and like that's the yeah. talent that are I pair them up or whatever. And I always say that my big joke is because a kid I dressed at the Pillow Man. I dressed uh, the children mm-hmm. in that show and Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum I dressed, who was great. But the the kids had small parts and I would deal with them. But this one kid Jesse, um, he went to the Broadway Barks that summer and he wanted to get a cat. He had a, came from a good family and they lived in Stuyvesant Town. He had, you know his mom and his dad. He had a sibling and. Um, he was this successful child actor and he applied to get a cat and they like just beat you know took him put him through the ringer to and denied him this it's <laughs> like adult cat because they're like we don't think that you people are responsible enough like and he was crying i mean it was like the oh sad god it's like a little boy who wanted this beautiful cat and like i said oh my god so clearly you have to be uh What's her name? <laughs> what's the one who, what's the, uh, I'm always, because my joke and I can never come up with her name. It's on, on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> who is in Frasier? Oh, uh, I have no idea. I'm talking about. Not I know Frasier. who you're talking about. Not Frasier. It was Frasier is his, oh, uh, uh, her, his, his wife. She was his wife in, in Cheers. Not Kirstie Alley. No, not Kirstie Alley, but you know, she's like on I know who you're talking about because I, I, I she, watched Cheers. She was Cheers. Lola in, uh, Damn, in Damn Yankees, the I know. original oh, production. Oh, Gwen Verdon? No, not the original. Oh my god, like the original. Not Gwen Vernon. <laughs> like how far back are we? Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. I can't. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll you better, you better right cut now. this out of the. Because, no. like, literally, she's she's like run. Yeah, look her up. Look her up. Uh, look up uh, Damn Yankees, like 1990. You know. He's 1990s. Yeah. Lola. Lola. It's. You're, you're going to know who I'm talking about. She's a famous Broadway actress. Who's uh, in, like, everything. Bibi Newworth. Bibi Newworth. Yes. So I couldn't, I mean, Bibi Newworth, how can you forget her name? Right. But my big joke, now back to the joke, now that I've <laughs> Now that I've <laughs> now that you set it, this up. <laughs> now that I've set it up with my boom boom, the big joke was, well, I guess you have to be Bibi Newworth to get any sort of animal, you know, adopted from the Broadway Bears. So I don't even try. I go every year and I'm thinking, I'm going to, this is it. It's finally the year I'm going to get this dog. I'm going to get this years dog. Exactly. I still don't have a dog. I still want one every year. But like it's like red, the like red a, tape is. There's not a waiting list or anything. Uh, I'm sure if I made the, I'm sure if I tried hard enough, I'd get the dog. I think I'm just still. Can't you call up your <laughs> I could. <laughs> I could. I'd be like, Bernadette, I'm sorry, I let you down. You know, Look, 15 years ago. I really want that Bichon. Right <laughs> I know. Is he still alive? <laughs> What's that looking like right now? <laughs> the same one. The same one. <laughs> I need that exact dog, Bernadette. <laughs> and so, how do you balance like being a performer and being like a uh, I don't want to say stagehand, but like, and yeah. being a dresser, like, yeah. how do you balance those two? Because I've had like uh, props gigs, and I've just been miserable. And maybe it's because like I haven't found that happiness like in like on both well, yeah. sides. But like, how do you, like how do you balance that? Well, because I know I'm better than them. Well, clearly, <laughs> <laughs> I just know deep down in my heart that my skill set is yes. pretty darn good. <laughs> And that, you know, if I needed to, I could push people down the stairs and take their jobs. I mean, you, 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 definitely, you definitely have the show memorized yeah. by now. Um, funnily enough, I don't, like, half the time I don't know what's going on. People, like, quote things from the show, and I'm like, what's that from? <laughs> or, like, the other like, day. Act 2, scene 4. You know, there was, well, there was a song from the show, like, of course, the, the, the Four Seasons version, you know, their, their arrangements are so different, actually different. They're very different mm-hmm. than what the arrangements are in the yeah. musical. And I've grown so accustomed to the arrangements that the musical um, has I mean they're Bob Gaudio's arrangements I think I should know this but um, they're much slower and 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 like I almost would say like lower like lower pitched even like kind of yeah um, I always feel like the music is like higher pitched when you hear like the radio like the yeah. versions from the sixties I noticed that right and they're fast 
And so, like, there was a song, Stay was playing, which is one of the songs that I've been mm-hmm. listening to for the past 10 years every night. And my boyfriend's like, oh, isn't this from, he's on the show once. He's like, oh, it's from Jersey Boys. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> he's like, isn't this the Frankie Valley song? I was like, no. And I was like, um, yeah, oh, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, hold, yeah, wait for it. Yes, it is. It is. This, I'm sorry. <laughs> Crazy. So it's like. You know, it's good. It's good. thankfully it's good music that you don't necessarily want to put a gun to your head. That yeah, yeah. Um, I had a voice. I had a voice teacher um, who's still like a mentor of mine to this day, who did Phantom for eleven years. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to her. She was like, "Every night, it, all I ask of you would come on. And I'm just like, just jump off the roof now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It does get to that point. I, I worked Cats the last. Right? That was my next question. Was oh my what do you think of the musical Cats? Because... Are you serious? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not I'm only, I'm like half serious. Oh my <laughs> so God. I, I did Cats in high school, and then the youth theater I did that with did it again this year. Yeah. And I, for some reason, I just really love Cats, and there are plenty of people who won't let me live it down, and I'm totally okay with that, so I would love to hear everything oh you have to God. say about Cats. Well, okay, let me just tell you, from the backstage perspective, I did get hired to be, to swing in for some, a dresser who had left, and I was there for like a three-month period, right at the very end, when it, okay. right before it closed. Mm-hmm. Maybe like there was six more months, then it closed. So, and this was after I dressed Liza Minnelli. So I had just been, you know, dressing as <laughs> the stars. stars. Minnelli, Minnelli. So I had this experience. And the next thing you know, I'm a cat. So it was like, you know, went from 100% to like, in my opinion at the time, maybe 5%. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ian. I'm sorry. It's, it's okay. But I respect it, your opinion. <laughs> I remember, well, of course, by this time, it was all the foreigners were now coming to the show. So they yeah. didn't speak any English or anything. But it's mostly music anyway. Yeah. So they could, you know, get away with that. It's a lot of... I think people are not like that's kind of what our audience is maybe moving towards the Jersey Boys. Mm-hmm. Not yet, thankfully, but because there's still so much dialogue, you have to really understand the English, I think, to enjoy There's definitely an Americanism in that show. Yeah. Like, I mean, the cats. With its history. Is, yeah. Cats is about cats. Like, yeah, it's about cats and poetry, and who yeah. cares? And we're not listening to that anyway, right? We just want to watch, what's her name? Betty Buckley. Betty Buckley. I'm like, thank God I remembered her name. I couldn't remember B.B. Newark. <laughs> Betty Buckley, though. Betty Buckley lived in the building I first uh, lived in when I was in New York City. I was in this great building on the Upper West Side, kind of in a temporary situation, and she lived in the building. That's amazing. And she was such a diva. Was she? Oh, my God. Oh. She was a major diva. The doormen mm. were always, like, a little bit hesitant to really? open the door for her. <laughs> what if you just didn't let her in tonight? I know. But I, I don't know. I mean, like, what could she do about that? Well, she would, oh, no. She would hear from her. You would hear from her. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. We went off in so many tangents. Oh, cats. So cats. Okay, so I got hired backstage, and I was like, whoa. I mean, everyone backstage was practically a goat. They were like dead people. Like, <laughs> Meaning they were like so over it mm-hmm. and like running on some kind of low battery fumes, gas fumes at a low level. So they the could just about... The technicians the or tech, everybody? The, I mean, me, I would say more the backstage, you know, mm-hmm. crew... Uh, definitely like the people pulling the curtain, <laughs> you know, props... Mm-hmm. Stage hand, those Here's guys. Here's train, Skimble Shanks. Yeah. They just were, exactly. They were not, and the actors too, like, there was enough turnover that they didn't necessarily mm-hmm. get, but there were some people that were there from the beginning, which was mm-hmm. crazy. Oh, um, yeah. And a lot of the dressers that I worked with were there from the beginning, but um, the, I couldn't believe the state that the costumes were in. It was like the, the leg warmers had been darned, you know, within an inch of their lives because, really? you know, they didn't, the budget was not there to buy new leg, leg warmers. No, or the supervisor was not interested in spending the budget in that area. Mm-hmm. So they were like these gross, like, practically, you know, decomposing in your hand as you had to put them. Because, like, 
they would wear the same, essentially the same bodysuit the whole show. These dancers, yeah. characters, and he would change their leg warmers. Really, was, that's like that was the extent that was, that of the was job. Their job. Yeah, it was, I was like I a weird thing. Say, that must have been an easy job. It was so easy. Like, and, put some oh my heads God. on the mice. Yeah, but I remember like, and there was so much flexibility with that again because it was so easy and there was all this downtime. They and because it was like ghetto. By the end of it, it was just like who cares who's going in and out of like the house area. Like there was ac- direct access from the backstage mm-hmm. to get to the house. That they would tell me like, okay, you can go in the house and watch the show if you want. So I took that opportunity to go check out the show on several occasions, and sat in the audience and was somewhat um, mortified <laughs> by the lack of energy and kind of like total seventies feel that it had to me. Like, you know, I had this kind of dark weight to it. Yeah. Cause it was like 2000 by the time it had closed. Yeah. Yeah. But there was just something about like, it just, the light, everything was like, I was like, I would just, I would sit in the audience and surrounded by like Mexicans and like Italian people, <laughs> you know, they're on vacation. From, yeah. You know, and they're like, Oh, I love it. And I was like, Oh my God, somebody just, this is paying my rent. Oh yeah. So I would, I would like creep back into the backstage area and be like, just you're watching the show. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was just, I, yeah, I have, so I, I think I'm a little bit, you know, what's it called? I have, I'm subjective in the area of mm. Andrew Lloyd Webber now because of that. Like, I've never seen Phantom or... Really? God, no. Oh, I don't well. think I have a... I know, so, like, I feel like people are... Love or hate Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, listen, I'm not, I, I I'm not really a music... I, I was never really... I was never really a musical theater person. Like, I wasn't a singer, really. Mm-hmm. Although I did do... Dam- Speaking of Damn Yankees, I played uh, Gloria Thorpe mm-hmm. in college, my senior year. Um, Joe Paparone directed... I was just about to ask. Joe Paparone. Shout out to Joe Pat. Oh my God. It was so fun, of course. It was a very funny, you know, fun role. I was a dan- I was a dancer too, so I had dance mm-hmm. training, so I could do like the big dance numbers and, and then be like the big schmactor like ham. You yeah. Know? It's the big comedy role. But um but yeah, between that and then I did uh company. I was in company, I was Kathy the dancer, because I was oh. a dancer. So, but I really like I'm not a, like singer singing is not my forte. I've done a lot of musicals because I'm always like the comic relief, mm-hmm. and I've done them in New York at the Fringe Festivals in New York. But people usually approach me, and they're like, "Hey, listen, I got this part in this play, and you're, you know, it's it's this hilarious role, blah blah blah." And then I read for it, and it ten, you know, works out usually. Uh, if someone approaches me to perform, but I don't audition for musicals unless mm. I auditioned for Martin Short's musical because oh, I had you um, perfect in that. I right, I had my God, you wouldn't believe what I had to do for that audition, and they laughed, you know, they loved it, but I, I just don't think my voice was strong enough at the end of the I day. I remember seeing that, right? I mean, hello, oh <laughs> Martin Short, you ass, you didn't, you made a mistake, you didn't hire me. You're listening to this, I know you are, Martin. Uh, Martin, please sponsor us. <laughs> 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 is, there, is there anything you'd like to plug in the meantime? Uh, well, not you know. I'm actually my I have nothing like believe it or believe it or not, Ian. I have nothing really in the city going on right now. Although I'm going to go upstate to SUNY Orange in the fall mm. to teach a workshop, and I do have my new show called How to Do a One Person Show. Um, I'm kind of looking for venues right now for that show. I just did it last this past fall downtown, um, and like ideally between that and and, and when thoughts attack, which is my the show that you saw, mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of at that point where I'm looking out of town. I've done some out of town bookings and whatnot, but um, you know, talking with people about some places out west, and and that's kind of what I'm working on something new. I'm working with a, a solo performance artist named Kate, Katie Northlick, who's done really well here in the city. So we just started getting together to develop a, a web series. That's cool. you know, because both of our fortes are doing char- are strong character work. Mm-hmm. 
and so we're trying to come up with um you know we're kind of in the in the idea uh what's it called the idea phase nice just kind of um throwing around some ideas about what these uh what the show's going to be about who these characters are going to be are they going to be based on us or is it going to be about two solo performance artists who come together finally and just like you know we've had it with our <laughs> with this this it. lonely career <laughs> so yeah i mean i'm I, i'm waiting to hear back i'm uh looking into playwriting programs mfa programs for oh, playwriting because cool. i've written for other voices before but i think i'm ready to kind of move in that direction but yeah that's kind of what what's on my plate right now but well that's super exciting yeah, yeah. and best of luck with that and i know thank you and you're welcome back on the show anytime oh to talk my about god it. you're so sweet i would love to come back oh, so i'll try to not be so talkative next time please be talkative <laughs> it's great you two have fun this summer thank you i'm so excited what's your part I don't know. Um, it's one of those like ensemble pieces where like okay. everybody is Woody oh. Guthrie. So um, oh good. So um, I'm listening to the soundtrack that I have. Like yeah. there's a, like there are definitely two tracks. If we're sticking to like the same tracks, like yeah. there are two like young sounding tenors. Like okay. that I know that I would be good for. So yeah. um, we'll see. There's yeah. a, and it's a, a lot of group arrangements. Yeah. So um, yeah. So oh, good for I, you. You gotta do some podcasts up there. I I plan on it. Yeah. Okay. So, good. Thank you so much, Kelly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so that was my friend Kelly Kinsella. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Um, I'm also going to take this time to uh, announce uh, the show that Kelly and I were talking about. I will be playing a young Woody Guthrie in Woody Guthrie's American Song. Uh, this summer at the Chenango River Theater and then at the Shadowland Theater, uh, if anyone is up in those areas. Um, also, while that is going on, Abby will be going to Seattle to help her friends open a combination wine bar coffee shop. So, um, to be completely honest, this might be one of the last episodes for the summer. We don't really know yet, so we're going to see what happens with that. Um, I have some great ideas, uh, Abby has some great ideas, and we would, we're really trying to continue to bring you episodes, And um, but please don't be disappointed if it is not as often as we're all hoping. Um, but in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter, send us some tips at paypal.com, enter unslickcitypodcast at gmail.com in the search field, and send us a little bit of cash, um, and tell your friends. Listen to old some, so listen to some old episodes and reminisce in the first six weeks we've had. I don't know. Um, anyway, live long, live prosperously, live random. Carpe random. <laughs>